0: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly.
1: Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is Monday, September 9th. Jeff Erickson here with Chris Liss. As always, we're sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Thank you for your sponsorship, Yahoo. Uh, week one, almost in the books. A uh, lot of news. A lot of injury news. Uh, big stuff right away, Chris. Uh, you're not a Tyreek Hill owner anywhere. I'm not a Tyreek Hill owner anywhere, but it, it's pretty massive. Not just for him, but also implications for other people in the offense.
2: Yeah, he hurt his shoulder, and right? he's out a few weeks. I don't want to be like the injury. I don't want to play injury expert because it's boring, and I don't care anyway. But it does mean, obviously, if you have Hill, you might you might have got him late first, or early second, so that's pretty huge. And then he also costs you maybe a win week one, and then obviously it affects Pat Mahomes, and then it affects you know Meekole Hardman, Sammy Watkins, who went crazy yep. this week. You know, it just affects other people in the offense. I kind of think I'm more worried. About Mahomes' ankle than I am about him losing Hill, especially if it's only like four games or whatever. Like it's like, all right, he'll probably you know he already got his he already got his for 378 and three touchdowns in Week One at Jacksonville, which is on paper not a good matchup. So he already got his for Week One without Hill. I think he'll be okay for four games, but it's the ankle that concerns me. That's when they slowed him yeah. down. They're also way ahead, but you know those ankle sprains you can play through it in the heat of the moment, but. Next couple of days, it can really swell up. And then, you know, if he, he could either miss time, which is less likely, but he could just be like Russell Wilson was a couple years ago where you're hobbling around and you're not yourself.
1: Yeah, he ran 60 times for 272 yards last year, two TDs. And, of course, just throwing on the run, getting out of the pocket was a big deal for him. If you take that away, that changes the offense quite a bit, uh, makes him a lot more conservative, probably hurts a lot of aspects of this game. So, yeah. Uh, and, you know, the the news on Hill, too, is like, it's a you know it could range from a couple of games to IR to return. They're going to watch it there with that collarbone injury. So yeah, it's potentially massive. So uh, yeah, definitely big on that. And you know, in the short term, really big for Sammy Watkins. I mean, he's just he and Kelsey are the primary targets. Period. I mean, while Hill is out,
2: assuming Mahomes is healthy, and while Watkins is healthy, and he certainly looked as healthy as he could be yesterday. Sammy Watkins is a top ten receiver. I would not trade a the twelfth receiver, whoever that is, Amari Cooper, whoever that is for him right now, because I don't think Watkins will be the a top ten receiver all year. Right. But I think in the near term, while he's healthy, again, assuming Mahomes is healthy and Hill is out, we know Hill's out at least
1: a couple weeks. I think right now Watkins is top ten. Yeah. I, I don't think that's wrong. And the thing that might it might happen too is hey, maybe you have you know, a, a disappointing running back or you have, have someone else that you want to upgrade, but you also have Watkins, you know, may, maybe that that's the route you take. Uh, you know, maybe you have Damian Williams, actually, and you're you're frustrated with him not going to being a bell cow back after drafting. You haven't made a trade yet. Someone offers you, and, and, you, know, you know, someone has a, maybe an extra running back. Maybe make a deal there, Watkins, for that running back.
2: Yeah, you might be able to get Joe Mixon for Sammy Watkins right now.
1: Yeah, although, speaking of Joe Mixon, he left with an ankle injury. Uh, and he might not play next week. Uh, that's the thing. They don't think it's a long-term thing. They're day-to-day. It's an, it's an ankle sprain. They hope to have him ready for week two. But if not, you know it's, uh, you know, it's Gio Bernard, next man up. You know, I, If you're a Mixon guy or if you're a Bengals fan, I kind of want him just to sit week two, get him fully healthy. You know, I hate it when they come back too soon from an ankle injury and aggravate it and then miss six weeks. So that's like the nightmare scenario.
2: If you're a Watkins owner,
1: you snap call a Joe Mixon offer. Do I have two other or three, you know, the minimum number of solid starters at wide receiver? Yeah. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. You have John Brown and those kind of guys. Right. On your bench. Because let's face it, Watkins was probably at best your three, maybe even your fourth when you drafted him. Yeah. Yeah. I probably would if I, I think, I think I probably would do that, especially if I really need the upgrade you know, I I went early on wide receiver, needed the upgrade at running back. Yeah, I think so. You know, the thing I will say about this though, the Bengals rushing offense didn't look good against Seattle. Now it's on the road at Seattle. You can say that, that that's a tough draw maybe for running the ball, but the Bengals offensive line was a known weak spot. Cordy Glenn was missing this game. They didn't run the ball well at all in the preseason. There might be some concern about them not being able to run that much this year, and they might not ru- you know, want to run as often. New offense, Zach Taylor at, at head coach, maybe they prefer to just advance it by passing. They, they threw for over 400 yards yesterday.
2: You know, I, I think, you know, obviously a bad offensive line can really change things, but offensive lines grow and evolve over time. And I think smart coaches, and it looked like Taylor had a pretty good game plan and is doing smarter things, getting John Ross involved it's not like you have a bad game against with the run and you're like, Oh, I don't know if this team can run like Sony Michelle was like 14 carries for 15 yards. And you're like, uh Oh, but it seems like there's going to be that game where the, the Pats run successfully because the team that's playing them is gearing up to protect all the passing. Right. It's just, you know, you have to mix it up and you have to play what you know. You have to sort of take what they give you and then make them keep them off balance. And so I wouldn't get too caught up in can they run, can't they run. Sometimes you have a situation where it's like the Jaguars last year where they just can't run, and it doesn't
1: matter. It's not
2: going to change. It's not going to be fixed. But if the staff is smart, usually they're going to end up needing to run at some point, and they're going to end up figuring it out.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I think that's probably the case here, especially when you got a special back like Mixon, if he's, and I I do believe he is, especially talented. Uh, So you know that that might be where by week six they've got it fixed a little bit more. You know, and one of their starters was out. I mean that that's one of the things. Uh, Glenn had it was out with a concussion, so they were at the backup left tackle. Uh, They, you know, Billy Price, their first round pick last year didn't even play a, uh, an offensive snap. He was only in there on special teams, uh which is funny. They drafted him to address their center woes and he can't even he can't even win the job. Uh which, you know, they he was dealing with some foot stuff in uh in early training camp. That's a part of the problem, but the fact, is that's already kind of a bust and that's that's pretty disappointing. Yep. The Bengals are not known for their drafting acumen. Not in the first round. Later on, they get some decent bargains, but it's it's you know they they they've whiffed on a couple of big ones lately. Uh, they didn't whiff though. Maybe after all, on John Ross, who looked awesome yesterday against the Seahawks.
2: Well, it's just amazing that it occurred to them to throw a deep ball to their four two two speed. I think he set a record for the combine. Maybe Chris Johnson had as fast of a time. Right. I thought John Ross set the record actually at four two two. Maybe Chris Johnson was four two four, but. It's just so amazing that you would throw deep to the 4-2-2 guy who you drafted ninth overall two years ago. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that they could actually do that? I mean, obviously, we, you know, they knew they could theoretically do that. But, you know, to put it into practice and actually do it, I mean, that's just a bridge too far. And it's amazing
1: that they actually just did it. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what we drafted him for. And I mean, they did it just, without A.J. Green on the field, too. You know, it's like that wasn't taking away any coverage. He, they were, he was a primary guy. Oh, well, which also kind of speaks to him getting the volume too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing that you would draft a guy who has that skill set,
2: and it took you three years to be like, Oh, why don't we use him for what he does best? Oh, wow. It works. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, I just saw the stat on the NFL's media page. He now has 31 50 yard plus touchdowns in his career, which broke a tie with Randy Moss at 29. He got two yesterday. So he he was tied with Randy Moss only one player has more. I bet you could guess who that is, 50-yard-plus touchdowns. You know who that is?
1: No. T- just tell me. Jerry Rice has 36. Okay, that makes sense. I, I, I'm not in the mood to – yeah, I'm not mean I shouldn't say not in the mood, but I'm not in the mindset to be guessing trivia right now. You I'm so bad at that. You said mood, but
2: you meant mode.
1: Yeah, mode. Yeah, so, yes, but, uh, yeah,
2: Jerry Rice had, has thir- had 36 in his career, and Deshaun Jackson's number two at 31. And it just shows you what a monumental – one of the, he's one of the greatest deep threats of all time to Jackson. He's in the, you know, top three or four. And that's why you draft a guy like that. It, you know, we talked about this on, on XM Steph Curry makes the defense come out to 30 feet yeah. he comes over half court, better start guarding him. And that, you know, just opens up, makes them have to defend a lot more of the court. And it's exactly the same thing in football. It's like, Oh yeah, don't worry. We have to defend that last 30 yards of the field. No one's going to bother. No one's going to test us. Suddenly there's someone testing you and, you got a lot more ground to cover. It's a much bigger job to cover that much more square footage, and it helps everybody. So I think Mixon will get going, and uh, I think I think the Bengals are actually ridiculously.
1: It sounds ridiculous saying they're going to be kind of an exciting team now. Yeah, they, that was a fun game to watch. Uh, you know, we were going to do breaking news first, but I'll just continue on this game real quick. DK Metcalf on the other side of the ball looked really good. Uh, you know, there's that, all that talk about his lack of lateral movement. And then when he got hurt in training camp preseason, I moved him down, didn't get him anywhere because of that. Probably I'm already feeling some, uh, regret about that one. Chris, he, he looks like he can play. Look at all the rookies. DK Metcalf, yes, Terry
2: McLaurin went off Malcolm Um, Brown, uh, Malcolm Brown went crazy. I mean, it's just weird, you know, and now that Devin Funches is on IR with a collarbone, I mean, maybe Paris Campbell will get a shot next week. Now that Tyree kills that, maybe me Hardman will get a shot.
1: Yeah. I don't remember mean Malcolm 2000... Brown. I mean, Marquise Brown, actually, but my bad, uh, yeah. well, AJ not... Brown for that matter for the Titans. I mean, AJ Brown was good too. Yeah. And Corey Davis did nothing. And I'll tell you, like,
2: remember that year in 2014, when Mike Evans and Beckham and Landry and Kelvin Benjamin and Sammy Watkins all came in the same year, there were like three more guys. Jordan Matthews was good there were like a whole bunch of guys that have, had, I think, uh, no, it wasn't Michael Thomas, someone else. There were like a whole bunch of guys who had monster years in 2014 as rookies. And then it like never happened. And all the receivers were bust. Amari so Cooper was good, but it was like Devonte Parker and Kevin white and yeah. Philip Dorsett. And then Mike Williams, John Ross and Corey Davis as rookies. Like all of them got hurt or did nothing. And finally, This year, it looks like this new crop and it's super deep. There's so many, I mean, Keyshawn Johnson was a six round pick Had 10 targets didn't do that much, but he had 10 targets like they're just, there's two things happening. One is the rookie receivers are getting involved right away, including a rookie tight end, Hawkinson, who had a massive game, which is unheard of for a tight end in his first game. And second thing that's happening is there's a ton of deep balls being thrown yesterday, which is such a breath of fresh air for the boring ass dink and dunk. It was like the quote I keep using different sports, like MMA ground and pound. There's the the deep ball is like the karate kick to the face that you want to see. The deep ball is like the excitement, not just this grinder shit where you're just like getting, oh, we got another first down, oh, we got another six-yard catch. Oh, they can't stop us. We're moving the chains. We had six first downs and a touchdown. Can't stop us, chewing up the clock versus boom. You know, we're gonna take the top off the defense. And you play football when you're a kid. You know, it was like let's throw the deep ball. Let's go out for the deep ball, and that's all you wanted to do. And so I think that you know, we'll see. It's one week, but I think that that would be a very welcome change if that started happening.
1: You know, that might be an unintended consequence of the new PI rule that you, know, you might like. Like, hey, let's throw it deep more often. You know, if if it doesn't connect, we might even be able to get more chances at getting PIs called. You know, I don't know and if it's, might, if it persists. We'll see. They might stumble
2: into it accidentally. Yeah. Like, let's throw it for the PI. There weren't a lot of PIs called, so it's like. Oh, let's do this to get the PI. Oh, this actually works independently of that role. Yeah. Wow. We didn't even realize we'd gotten so into this sort of analytic, you know, we figured out that the 10 yards for first down, it's just like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you figure out something about the game. You're like, Ooh, we don't need to take a risk. We can just throw these dink and dunks and like the Patriots are, and just keep getting first downs. But you know, now teams have geared up to defend that. And the best thing to do to them is go over top and Brady did it to the Steelers. He threw deep to door You know, they were like gashing them with these little they were like paper cutting them, with these little like Edelman catches and James White catches. And when they finally moved up, you know, Philip Dorsett ran behind them and they just threw an easy touchdown. And I just really would love to see that and make the NFL just such a better game.
1: Yeah, it really is. It really is. And I hope it I hope it continues. Uh, So we'll see about that. Uh, another big item, uh, you know. God, we had so many bad injuries. Uh, Sterling Shepard is in con- uh, concussion protocol. At least at first they said he wasn't. Then confirmed now that he is. Giants are already thin at wide receiver with Golden Tate out. Uh, you know this this could be uh, kind of uh, frustrating if he has to sit out this next game here.
2: I'm in a couple leagues. I mean, he's he's a very modest you know producer. Like he gets targets. Didn't do a lot because the Giants didn't move the ball after the first drive very much. But yeah. He'll get his targets. He'll get his hundred. You know, if he's healthy all year, plays most of the games, he'll get 120 targets and get 75, 80 catches and six touchdowns and 150 to 1, a thousand. I mean, he'll just get his sort of bare minimum thing. But he's not. He's not a needle mover. You know, he's just sort of a short to intermediate pass catcher. Doesn't really run deep routes. Eli sucks. <laughs> the Giants. It's like. I don't even know what they're thinking right now. I mean, just turn it over to Daniel Jones already. It, there's just, there's no point. Don't put us through this. Like, I don't want to see it. No one's interested in it. You got Barkley. You got a, a sixth overall pick who looked good in the preseason. Give yourself 15 games to see who he is for real. And since, you know, QBs are so pro ready. Now, if he's just okay or not that good draft, a QB next year, pull a Josh Rosen, you know, send him, send him down the Josh Rosen path. If he's not, definitively your guy. Give him a shot though. Give him 15 games. Don't give him three games at the end of the year in bad weather. Right. to See whether he's the guy. Give him fifteen In a beaten games. up offensive line, a dispirited yeah.
1: team. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's just stupid. Just give him 15 real games to see if he's the guy. And if he is great, you, you hit a home run with that pick. If he's not, all right, it's too bad. You probably should have taken a defensive, you know, an edge rusher or something, but big deal. Just go get a QB next year. They just got to do it. I mean, it, it's like it's it's one thing to be like, you know, filleting Eli and, and kissing his ass, you know, but like it's it's another like to be like, all right, this season obviously screwed. Let's go and let's go and do it right. Let's go
1: figure this out for the future. If Shepard has to sit out week two against Buffalo, would you recommend picking up Cody Latimer? No, not really. I mean,
2: it depends how deep your league is or, you know, if you're just totally – bereft. There's no buys. So you should have receivers better than that. Buffalo's defense is probably pretty good. Yeah. And the corners are pretty good. The guy that, uh, Gronk concussed, what's his name Tre'Davious white. Is that his name? I can't remember his name yeah. anyway. Yeah. He, uh, that guy's good. I don't really know specifically all the guys on there, but I, I remember Buffalo being one of the top five or so pass defenses last year. Or so, you know, I, I just, he may get like seven or eight targets, and that may be worth something. It would also be one of those just brutal games where neither team's moving the ball for a while. Oh, the Giants' defense is so bad that they probably will move the ball. But um, anyway, I, I would just say only in a, in a real pinch would I pick up Latimer.
1: Yeah. One other big news item that does move the needle, Tevin Coleman has a high ankle sprain, could be facing a multi-game absence. Kyle Shanahan said it in the post-game game press conference that they're looking into alternative running back options while Coleman's out kind of suggests that maybe they're not happy with the Brita Mostert Wilson combo you know maybe they could uh, you know pick up Jay Ajayi or someone else that we you know some name that we haven't uh, come up with you know some one speculative uh, one speculation was trade for Melvin Gordon but I'm skeptical that happens but you have any Coleman You have any Brita no, I didn't
2: and Brita. Like everyone got like a fetish about Brita late in the draft season. I never really saw it. He just not big enough to take on the load. He's not a big, uh, he's not a big pass catcher either. So like, what's the, where's the appeal I guess the appeal of Shanahan's offense, which is tends to run block really well. But for a guy who knows so much about run blocking and, and making these amazing running offenses, he's just got such bad judgment on which backs he, yeah. he, he, they signed McKinnon. That was a terrible, terrible idea, and obviously he was unlucky they got hurt, but he wasn't even that good, and certainly not worth the money. Coleman and Breed are such an odd couple because they're so similar. Um, I don't know.
1: It's just, what are they doing there? Yeah, I don't know. Well, isn't it funny? Like A team has a run of success in one place, and all of a sudden, someone's elevated to the genius level, and I don't know if I'm not even saying Shanahan's not a genius, uh, but I think it just serves as an example. We used to think uh you know uh, th- that uh you know, certain coordinators when elevated to head coach, oh yeah, they're going to fix this offense. It's going to be great. Uh and then it just doesn't happen the way we think it's going to happen there and all of a sudden, oh, th- that that luster is gone. Oh, that coach, he's a weirdo. You know, uh you know, he's <laughs> he's not he he's gone from hey, he made uh he, you know, he he made this Jake Cutler work to oh my god, he's just a crazy person. Right. He, he's Peyton
2: Manning he's the Peyton Manning whisperer and now yeah, he's sniffing I hope it was smelling salts on the sideline and getting super high off them uh mid preseason. But yeah, it's you know, I think a lot of times and I and I got disabused of some beliefs week one, we just like think logically about the NFL. We're like yeah. um, you know, okay, so this happens and then I think they'll do this and then he'll get them doing that. And we're just sort of like, Okay, good. And then we start to believe that, right? not mm-hmm. like this is possible. That they'll do that, but this is what's going to happen because this is how they're thinking. And this is what I've read about. And then when you realize like NFL teams and the league itself is a complex system, it's not, you can't analyze it. like I mean, you can analyze one or two steps, but a thousand steps happen in one game, right? You know, a thousand reactions and counter reactions happen in one game. So your logic of how it's going to play out, is just ridiculous. It's just, it's just ill-equipped. You know, you're bringing like a butter knife to a nuclear war. I mean, you, your logic is like, well, I can think two steps. I can think four steps. You know, I can, it's not even chess. It's like, it's a, it's a complex system. Right. And it's known that like complex systems are inherently unpredictable, certainly by using these kind of methods of like just reasoning through it. Like, well, if this happens, then that'll probably happen. And so I think that when we, we look at the, Oh, this coach had success here doing this with this tactic. We're like, and he'll just bring that there. Like, that's just crazy talk. It's crazy. You know, the other crazy mistake we make, we're like, oh, well, he coached with Sean McVay. So Matt LaFleur or whatever, he'll he'll be, he'll know how to run an offense. He'll be an awesome offensive play coach. You know, that stuff. So he coached with Belichick. He knows what he's doing. This head coach will be really – Matt Patricia is going to be really good. He's Belichick's guy. I mean, by the time Patricia took over, we'd already been through Mangini and Romeo Cronell and Charlie Weiss and a bunch of others. So we knew that was BS. But like – Naively, you think, "Oh, well, Belichick was Parcells' guy. Parcells was great. Belichick's great. Yeah, coaching trees work."
1: Yeah, I mean, how many coaching trees actually worked? I mean, the fact is, you know, Parcells did to a certain extent. Uh, I I, I would, Walsh. Would you say that
2: worked? Well, yeah, he had all those guys. I think like Holmgren and all those guys came from there, and then like I think Gruden and that whole branch came from Holmgren. Or some of those—they're all connected as West Coast offense types.
1: Yeah. But, but you're no, right, but just, though. That, oh, they'll just be able to replicate it. You no, know, Sean McVay has a, you know, a photographic memory. Does Zach Taylor? I don't think so. But then again, Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor seems like he might be good. That was actually pretty I, good I so know. far. I, I'm not I'm definitely not unhappy with one game. And it's just well, something different, too. Uh, I think more than anything, I was kind of you know like, oh, you know, we can call timeouts when we don't have the ball. Oh, oh. Oh, this is interesting. Although the Bengals still found their repeated their special play of giving up points uh, within the two minutes of the, of the uh, before halftime. there still gave up a touchdown drive there. So that's still aggravating as all shit. But uh, it happens um, before we move on uh, and talk about some more game breakdowns. A quick note from one of our sponsors. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Made SeatGeek your go-to ticket source from everything to sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I actually had the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I've used it quite a bit of times. Uh, most recently uh, for uh, baseball tickets, actually. Uh, Dodger game one time and then another time in Atlanta when I was with Scott Scott Jensad, a friend of the uh, Sunday baseball podcast, uh, when we were in Atlanta and we bought tickets to uh, Braves-Mets game when we saw Peter Alonzo uh, discover water in the new stadium in Atlanta there. There are a lot of great events coming up. Uh, NFL season has already started. Go get your uh, tickets through SeatGeek. Best of all, my listeners can get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTONFL today. That's promo code ROTONFL for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. SeatGeek. Live an event. We have the tickets. You're listening to the Monday fantasy football podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Chris Liss. Okay, Chris. So you talked a little bit about the giants, at least in the case of Eli and Daniel Jones. Um, any other observations in particular from that Dallas and giants game?
2: Yeah. So the giants offensive line is pretty good. Dallas front seven is pretty good too. So it was a tough matchup for them. But one thing I saw is they kept, uh, play action, faking the handoff to Barkley and having Eli throw short passes. Patriots do this all the time. Every single play is a, is a play action if they're going to throw it. And that's fine in and of itself. But the problem was they only gave Barkley 10 carries after he had his 59 yard carry to start the game, or maybe it was nine carries. He might have a short one before that. And the reason I think they went away from him, you're like, get Barkley the ball. I don't know why they're not throwing to him more is that the team is just keying on Barkley. They're just completely ready to crush the run. And even if you have a good offensive line if the box is that stacked, it's hard to run. And so it's kind of like, all right, well, no one respects Eli. I mean, they're not saying it like this, but they kept play actioning, throwing, play actioning, throwing. And it was just the easiest thing to do because it was the least defended thing because nobody respected the passing game. But that becomes a problem when you can't use your best player as anything but a decoy. Maybe other teams won't play it that way. You know, we'll see this week against the bills, but you know, you got to get Barkley the ball, but you can't get him the ball where there's two you know defensive tackles in the backfield already. Right. So it's it's just that I just saw that happening. I, I could see why they were doing it. You know, Ben Mackin used to run Paul Perkins first down and 10, second and nine, third and eight. And then he would have Eli dropping back helplessly at third and eight. Yeah. So you can't do that either. You, you know, if you, if they're playing the run, you got to throw, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you have, but they've got to make it so that they hurt people when they do that enough that they can go back and run it. Right. And they just
1: never got back to that run. It's always about finding that balance. Well, you know, it, it, it'd be one thing if everything else was working. But after that first drive, they really stalled out quite a bit. That first drive, I was like, oh, they're moving the ball pretty well. Uh, they're looking pretty smooth here. And you saw that with a couple of games yesterday. The Giants, the Browns on their first drive moved the ball very well. Uh, you know, we'll get into them in a second. But, you know, a couple other teams like that, too. And then after that team's adjusted and, OK, that that's not working anymore. And they didn't have, OK, what's next? A lot of teams have what's next. They didn't. Yeah.
2: I, I also think the giants, so, so I understand what they are doing. I also think Barkley's a little Sanders S Barry Sanders esque where, you know, they, they know it's coming. They're going to stack it. It's okay. Just keep with it. You lose two yards, three or four times every fifth run, every eighth run, whatever it is, it's going to go for 30, 40 yards. Yeah. And you, you kind of got to just keep at it because you just find one hole. That's all it takes for him. And you just can't get discouraged by the, you know, by getting stuffed. Yeah. So they, you know, they've just got to figure out a way to, to mix it up better. Shermer's usually pretty good offensively, but, you know, he's working with a truly over the hill, not suited for the NFL quarterback these days. And I don't know if, I don't know if, I don't know if you can squeeze water from that rock anymore. You know.
1: I just can't tell how you feel about it, Eli. There, he just, you kind of obscure it uh, there. You talk in mixed I mean, imagine, tones and
2: imagine how many years. I mean, I've do the same thing. Like he's been washed up for like six years. It's truly. It's not even like I'm so unhappy because I don't expect them to make the playoffs. It's not like I have big hopes or anything. It's just it's my team, so I watch them and I root for them. And it's just, what am I doing? Like, this is stupid. And the reasons are stupid. It's because Nutless Monkey, John Mara, wants Eli to be the quarterback. I don't understand it. I don't – I really just – it's amazing. I think they're – like, people might be shocked, but they may cut the quarterback with Eli like this week or next. I mean, people think, oh, they're going to wait – I just think, like, at a certain point, like, the fans are just not going to settle for it anymore. Now that Daniel Jones showed what he did in the preseason, they used the sixth pick on him. I mean, Eli's got a much shorter release than I think even ownership realizes. You just can't do this to your fan base. I I think that the end is nigh. It's not going to be, like, week 10. Unless Eli miraculously plays, like, way better, it's going to be, like, week two or three or four.
1: So I think one thing that hurts sports fans a lot is the, the actual health of the leagues. Baseball... Football, both you can be a terrible team and you're still making money. You don't, you're not reliant on you know butts in the seats. I mean, it takes a huge, huge drop, you know, in the t- the revenue, you know, television revenues, and you know, just ratings just precipitously falling away for them to re- to really have to feel that pressure. I mean, I, I think it's it's clear that, that, and I think that it reflects also in how you build a team. You're a lot, you know, a lot more comfortable with doing. Awful, awful, awful! If you're building towards a champion, or in the case of the Bengals, oh, cozy, cozy, cozy. Let's just keep Marvin around for 17 years. It's fine, you know, because we're still making money. It's fine, and I, I think that lack of pressure to survive it makes a worse product for the certain teams. And I feel like that's the case in the Giants a little bit there. You know, there's a say, there's there's a vocal proponent of the, the the crowd that does love Eli, and of course Mara is one of the you know is reflective of that proponent, but. You know, I, I think the, the vast majority prefer them to actually, I don't know, win. Right. I mean, I think it's that problem. There's no skin in the game. They
2: don't really cost if they lose. And then, like, I bet, I mean, I don't know this personally, but that John Marr and Eli Manning and Peyton Manning are probably friends. Yes. You know, the yeah. billionaire owner and the successful multimillionaire players, they probably, oh, yeah, I'm you know, I'm summering in wherever, Martha's Vineyard, why don't you come by and you know, go, we're having a barbecue. Stop by.
1: Yeah. Know. And I get that there's they, loyalty. Yeah, They've yeah. won two Super Bowls with him at the helm. Now, is it because of him or is it, was he there and he did some good things along the way? I think it's a little both. I mean, I think he well, was an active, fine, but loyalty, yeah. the, the it only loyalty goes so far misplaced. though. Yeah.
2: It's yeah. It's misplaced because you know, you, it's just, <laughs> you shouldn't be friends with the play. I don't know if they're friends, but I can easily see that happening, but you should have a boundary there where you don't socialize with the players, Yeah, you know, where, where you're, you don't have to go to the barbecue because you might have to get rid of the guy. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think the owners and the players should not be friendly. I think they should be courteous, cordial and professional, but I don't think they should be friends like hang out. You know, I just don't think that's a good idea, but I don't know for sure, but I could see that being a factor um, because that kind of stuff gets blurred. It's a lot of why, you know, the announcers won't criticize players because they, Hang out in the same circles and yeah. ex-players or announcers, and they know the same people. It's just very Jim Nance diseased.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's just like everybody's, you know, everybody's your best friend who's out there, and and it's a, a more important to you to maintain that network for professional reasons and personal reasons than it is to,
1: you know, tell the truth. Could you imagine so Howard Cosell handle. being that way? I mean, <laughs> no way. Right.
2: But he was. not He wasn't. Those guys were harder dudes. You know, those yeah. those were harder edged guys who would just say what they thought. And it was a little more, you know, they were actually more on a toward journalism. I don't want to say they were perfect, but they're more journalists than the current group, which are more just careerists. And so, so I think that plays a fact, you know, as a factor, but I do think that the skin in the game isn't monetary, as you say, because the fans will still watch, but I think there is some skin in the game of just like people just absolutely despising you as an owner. I mean, you can get away with it if you're just such a nutless, money. if you're like, you know, Mike Brown or you're like somebody that, you know, like what's the, what's the Daniel Snyder that's just so reviled probably by everyone they know that like, it's just, they, they don't know any different, yeah. but if you're John Mara, who I don't have a lot of respect for, but you know, at least is ostensibly a respected member of the NFL fraternity, you'd think that like the fans and the people thinking like you're an idiot, like you're, you're putting out a bad product. This is an embarrassment. Make a, make a real choice and get a, a player with a, some hope in there that that would put some pressure on them that they don't like to be thought of as a laughing stock. Now, again, that friendliness stuff might insulate him from that. He might think that's ridiculous. You know, and like people like Carl Banks being like the benching of Eli was horrible and the whole thing, you know, that everyone's going to rally around him and like they get a little echo chamber where they actually think it's the right thing. But anyway, um, I, I think that's the only reason he's still at, I mean, he's obviously the only reason he still has the job. I mean, six years overdue, but I, I think that the pressure may build and people just being disgusted with the product. And I think, I think that will get through to the owner eventually into the and to management. And of course the coaches like, you know, it's embarrassing for Shermer. I mean, yeah, you want to stake your career and get in. Like you really want to like lose your whole career. Just watching a guy who sucks. who's clearly over the Hill. I mean, at what point do you got just tell the owner, look
1: enough's enough. Well, then, or you, well, if you do that, you join Ben McAdoo in the soup line. I don't know. Uh, you know maybe, I
2: think that was the real lesson ben there. Ben McAdoo went rogue. Yeah. You know, maybe you've got to get them on board first. But it's super annoying. Like, why do you want to even get the owner's permission? The owner doesn't know
1: anything about football. Yeah. You know, but, he, like, but he clearly had a big role in Eli getting reinstated. So Horrible. Yeah. I, I lost 50 bucks to Dalton Daldon on that. I made him a
2: bet that Eli would not take the first snap under center for the Giants this winter. I was like, he's done. He's terrible. There's no way they'll bring him back. They're drafting a QB, and they did, and they still brought him back.
1: Ouch. $23 million bonus in June. Ouch. Uh, Cowboy side of things, Dak was awesome. Uh, Cooper looked great, so much for the heel problem. Michael Gallup, everybody loves Michael Gallup, but he really looked great. Seven for There's seven. There's a speed beyond Gallup for a horse. That's what he was doing. Yeah. He was in turbo mode. There's no doubt about it. Uh, both uh, tight ends caught touchdowns, uh, Jarwin and Witten, both. I'm sure you loved that. Uh, Jason Whitless had to get out of the booth, get back on the field. It's safer for him there. Randall Cobb, yeah. Randall Cobb actually you know, looked pretty good. Threw off a tackler for a critical first down near the – you know, it, He
2: did look good. Yeah. You know, that, that McCarthy – I mean, I still think Rodgers looked pretty good even against Chicago, but that – was a stale offense and Cobb looked bad. Remember Cobb was a dynamic player yeah. 5 6 years ago and he just like rotted into some totally worthless guy who couldn't make a play and then he's finally I mean the Giants defense is like the Dolphins defense I don't want to over right. overstate dominating it but he made he broke some tackles and looked like the guy from a few years ago and you're like whoa if they have Randall Cobb who's any semblance of what he was and Gallup is you know year 2 ready to to break out and Cooper get over the plantar fasciitis, this may be, you know, a dynamic passing team. Dak looked like Joe Montana back there. He was just yeah. dropping the balls in perfectly. I mean, it was an easy, again, wide open guys, but he was very accurate.
1: Wide open guys and time to throw. That's a nice combination. Right. Yes. Uh, Zeke Elliott, uh, they, they didn't completely rest him. 13 carries, one, one catch, two targets. Same number of carries as Tony Pollard, but he got that late touchdown to make it a passable fantasy day. There'll be other days when he gets more work.
2: Yeah. I don't even think they were trying to limit Zeke. I think it was just the game flow was such that there was no reason to use him very much. It was just, Oh, we're having these easy pitching, catch touchdowns. Let's keep doing that. So they did. And then they got way ahead and they're like, all right, let's just bring in Pollard. So they were able to do that. But if that game were close, you better believe
1: Zeke would have got 25 carries. Indeed. All right. Let's talk about Cincy Seattle real quick. I've shared a few things, a couple more things. Bengals left a lot on the field there. Uh, There was the first, the first touchdown drive for Seattle, was spurred by a kind of a joke of a penalty on Drake Kirkpatrick, but you know, Bengals Bangle. Uh that's what they do. It was a uh, it was kind of it was called unnecessary roughness. It was like there is this they got a, it was an incomplete pass. There was a shove and a shove back. The shove back of course gets called. You know, it's just you can't do stuff like that. But at the same time it's like you build a rep and oh yeah, he, he's a thug. Therefore we've got to flag him. Home field call. I was kind of bitter about that. And it, it that like started this drive and then they couldn't tackle for a while And Chris Carson, who looks pretty good. Uh, they got a lot of pressure on uh, on Russell Wilson. People were complaining about the lack of targets uh, in the passing game, especially uh, to um, oh uh, Lockett. Yeah, you know, to Lockett. But part of the problem was Lockett runs deep patterns, and Wilson didn't have a lot of time. They were getting to him a lot. Uh, so that, right, I think but that, the whole argument for drafting him in the fourth
2: round or whatever insane thing people were doing. Was that? Oh no, no, no! He's going to be like Antonio Brown. He's going to get the ball. He's going to get those over the middle catches too, not just deep throws. He got his deep touchdown, and he'll get more. and And Russell Wilson and him are very good. They're on the same page. But the the idea was, no, we're going to use him all over the field. That was the that was the idea in the preseason. Now it's only week one, so it could still happen. But it's just like Tyler Lockett weighs like 180 pounds. I just think it's doubtful that he's going to get the 130 targets, 120 targets that he needs to be that fourth round guy. So, and and my reasoning was always, Oh, well, if they want to do that, why didn't they do that last year? And Pete Carroll always says all the sunny stuff. So yeah, we'll see. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take a, I'm not going to take the W after week one, but I'm going to take,
1: you know, like a, I'm not going to take the W, but I'll just gloat just a little bit. Okay. He Lockett also had a ball, a, a deep a relatively deep ball go right through his hands. Uh the second target there. But I, I'm you know, the thing is they're they're lacking wide receivers right now. You know, only Metcalf and Lockett really of of any sort of repute were out there. Metcalf looked really good. He he I'm not gonna lie, he he was taking advantage of the lesser quarter uh, corner uh and getting more of the work. But uh you know the, the Lockett touchdown was on a blown coverage. You know, the Bengals moved the ball all day. They missed a field goal. Uh, Dalton had a fumble where during, you know, it was rain caused. It slipped out of his hands. Just, uh, you know, it was going back to throw. It slipped out of his hands. And it, was, it was pretty bad. Uh, but, you know, they looked all right. They had a fourth and two. that got stopped just short. You know, and it's like, okay, I was okay with all these decisions. I didn't like them doing it you know they they had gotten it down to you know 21 20 but and they were it was first and goal at the five and they had a critical holding penalty uh and then another and a drop pass prior to that but you know they kind of got to like third and like third and goal from like the 11 or something like that they ran a little bubble screen ended up settling for the short field goal they didn't throw into the end zone on that play it's kind of like well all right, you're going to settle for the field goal there. You got to go for it on fourth down the next time around. Instead, they punted with like three thirty left, fourth and seven. It wasn't a sure thing, but you know, it's one of those things where you kind of have to go for it because one touchdown, oh, I mean, one first down ends the game, and that's basically what happened. Yeah, they, they should have done that, but yeah. still a decent game.
2: They, I really for survivor purposes, I was hoping they beat the right. Seahawks outright, and it was it was. Close. Especially because we squeaked Eagles, were, by with
1: the Eagles after a uh, horrible start to that game.
2: Did I, I mentioned this today on XM? But so I write up the survivor column, and two years ago I took the Patriots on Thursday night. It was a it was a brutal week one. It was like th- there was no seven point favorite even that week. Yeah. So I took the Patriots in week one, and Kareem Hunt goes crazy and beats the Patriots. So I'm like, oh, I'm out. Game one out of 256. Following year, I take the Saints. Biggest favorite on the board, home against the Bucks with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Bucks beat him. I'm out. Week one. That's pretty bad. I'm writing the column. Yeah. I, I, you know, have thought about all the strategy implications. I've written so many articles about it, and I'm out first game 2017. First game 2018. It's 2019. I'm like, all right, the Eagles, biggest favorite on the board. I look at the pot odds, nothing's jumping out, or I'm sticking with the Eagles. I'm down 17, nothing thinking are you effing kidding me? Yeah. I'm going to be out three years in a row. The first week I hadn't been knocked out in the first week in like 12 years or something. Like I went on a run. I of course getting knocked out the first week, even once was like a terror of mine. I'm like writing the article, get knocked in the first week and to do it three years in a row would have just been insane. Two years in a row was insane. Yeah, it really is. Did you catch much more grief last year or the year before? I didn't really catch much grief. I mean, there's here and there someone chirped, but I don't know. I just I don't really get grief from
1: anybody anymore. It's kind of disappointing. Uh, the trolls have gone away. Maybe that you've gone. chased them all away, or they, you know they know what to expect with you. I don't know. It's They know not you, to because yep. you have a troll skin coat. Uh, maybe yeah, they, you ever they, watch
2: uh, um, Walking Dead? I, I don't watch it anymore. But no, I used to watch. I've it.
1: never watched an episode of Walking Dead. Yeah, really uh, right it's uh,
2: it's okay, like the first few seasons. But there's one part where like someone figured out that if you like rub all the zombie blood on you and stuff. And you, you can kind of walk with them. They don't really know because they can't smell. You smell like them. So they can't really tell. And maybe that's what it is, is I smell like a troll to the trolls and they don't want to, they just like, eh, no, nah, nothing to, nothing to mess with here. But I really have gotten trolled quite a bit less. I told, I talked about that one <clears throat> Nancy in Wisconsin on the show today who got upset and criticized me and then mocked me for saying that the Packers bears game would be boring uh, and I, I, I called her out, never, never responded, never came back. Did you actually call her out on Twitter?
1: Real no, man I hunts her, her down.
2: I, no, I just called her out on the radio because obviously she was listening because that's how she, you know, because that's when I said it.
1: Well, I, you know, I said, she probably like trolled and vowed never to listen again and therefore missed her, missed your rebuke. But
2: uh. I know, I know. She got, but she trolled right? and she probably forgets exactly why she trolled. She just knows she hates me. But she was mad that I said that game would be boring. And it obviously was incredibly boring. So many penalties. Such a poorly played sloppy game. And never do they come back and say, you know what? I still don't like your show, but on that, on that one point, you were definitely right, and I was wrong to criticize. You, you were right, but you called it. Never do they come back. It's always this
1: drive-by thing. you know. And they never return to the scene of the accident. I get, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I get a little bit of, you know, yeah, I, I get a little little bit of that where they do actually kind of come back. But trolls you're right. or people, you know, I mean, people, you know, come back. No listeners. Some listeners. I you know value meter and also too, value meter okay. commenters. Yeah.
2: Subscribers are better than the general public. I'll tell you that much.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think that's absolutely right. Um, OK, before we move on, break down observations of other games. A uh, quick note from another one of our sponsors. The NFL season is officially underway, which means Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has returned. Yahoo offers large contests with thousands of dollars up for grabs and no management fee, meaning more money goes back to you, the players. Yahoo also limits many of their GPP tournaments to a 10-entry max. You're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like on other sites. If you're just getting started with Daily Fantasy Football, join the free-to-enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long. $150,000 in weekly and season-long prizes. And if you get a perfect lineup, you win $1 million. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. You're listening to the Monday NFL podcast. Jeff Erickson, Chris Liss here. All right, we've broken down games from our favorite teams. We'll go a little bit faster through the other games. Uh, I want to start off with a couple games I did the rewatch on. um, And then I'm going to kind of cede the floor to you after that from a lot of this. I'll just kind of feed off you. But I want to start talking about tennessee Cleveland. Wow. What a frustrating game. Cleveland just left everything out there. So many penalties, Chris, just ugly, ugly football. Uh, But I mean, they, it is over and over and over. They kept on like, there's one drive where they gave, they gave Tennessee three first downs ended up leading to their their touchdown. Uh, Any one of those penalties don't happen. They're either settling for a field goal or even punting. Um, It started that way on, on offense. Uh, Their offensive line, their their left tackle got kicked out. Robinson got kicked out after he literally kicked out at a defensive player. First got the penalty, and then they did a quick, oh, you know what? You're out. You're disqualified. That's a disqualification penalty. And they were already a little thin on the offensive line. Then his backup got hurt in the same game. They were a mess on their offensive line. That affected them the whole game point is they met they had like 100 and nearly 150 penalty 150 penalty yards by the end of the third quarter just so much was left out on the field there and at that point they were still only down 15-13 it, it just got, it just fell apart at the end but they they almost i mean the thing is they were right in there after that game after all that with a safety with like you know getting bad things you know have, having big plays turned over after uh, you know OBJ's bad offensive PI at the end of the uh, second ha- second quarter, right before halftime, took out took them out of field position for at least a field goal. Despite all that, they were still in the game, and then they fell apart in the fourth quarter.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it, do you think that all these penalties are actually
1: penalties? Like, obviously a couple yeah, of them are, but they, like, a lot of them were. A lot of them were really bad. They were legit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot, there were some stupid false start ones. Um, it led to their safety. I mean, they, they, first of all, uh, the Hilliard was returning punts and he let this ball drop, you know, instead of taking like the fair catch at the 12, it rolled to the five. Uh, they got down at the five and then they had a false start, which he got a call, put it the two and then Mayfield got the safety. And you know, it's just little things like that. It's points. And it puts, you know, it just flipped the field position, things like that. They were making all sorts of mistakes. You know, Miles Garrett took a swing at a guy. He should have gotten kicked out, actually, too. You could make a case for that, um, just like Miles Jack did uh, for Jacksonville. But, you know, I don't know. Their composure wasn't there at all either. And that was the thing. I was like, they're just making some dumb mistakes. Um, I think that can be over. I don't think that's necessarily endemic. I don't think it's something that's going to carry through from one week to the next. But, I mean, they left a lot out there.
2: Yeah. Well, that's good. It's good to know. Uh, We know when when you're betting the Browns this week, you'd be like, yeah. Just forget about it. It doesn't mean anything.
1: I think especially that's just true of Nick throw Chubb. throw
2: that week in the garbage.
1: Nick Chubb had a couple runs reco- you know, thrown back because of that, and then they got in catch-up mode too. Um, and I don't think everything's going to be nearly as bad for them there either. I mean, Tennessee kind of grinds you to the muck sometimes. I don't know. They, I remember Tennessee, like they, 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 won a, they won at Jacksonville last year, and they looked really pretty solid doing that, and then they got ground in the muck for a while. They're kind of one of those weird teams that, uh, you know, they, they can bring out your worst sometimes. Yeah, bring it down to their level. Yeah, AJ Brown looked really good. Big catch early, a big catch in the start the the third quarter. Uh, of course, Henry had that huge catch right after the Browns got it to fifteen thirteen. The very next play from scrimmage was that seventy five yard receiving touchdown for Henry. You were talking about the uh, the PI rules on scoring plays. You know everything's reviewed, right? Well, they, they reviewed to see whether there is an offensive P.I. on that. Wasn't called. Nothing on the field was called. Ah, uh, That would be terrible.
2: Yeah. Nothing called on the field. And they start inventing these things. Right. And you know someone's going to invent a sketchy one, and then there's going to be all this, like, you know, is this, you know, is this fixed? Like, what's going on? I mean, it's just such a can of worms. you should Introducing one that's not called on the field. Right. It's going to happen at some point. <laughs> just because it's a scoring place, so they're reviewing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> should be only under the most egregious circumstances, you know, like right. something that you just completely flat out missed that you couldn't believe how bad, I mean, that should be, it has to be such an imperative to call it that you, if they start getting discretionary at that, you're going to have major problems. I saw the, uh, I'm bummed cause I dropped AJ Brown. I drafted him with my last pick in the uh, FSGA league, which my team sucks. And I dropped him cause you know, he was, I thought he was buried on the depth chart and, if Corey Davis and Humphreys they signed, Blaney Walker was completely healthy. And uh, I dropped him, unfortunately. He looked good. You know, he's he's six one, two twenty-six. Yeah. That's a running back size. It's not a receiver size. There's a receiver that's two twenty six is usually at least six four. Okay. Almost nobody's six one, two twenty six as a receiver. Right. This guy is just you saw him like after he made his big catch, they just couldn't tackle him. He's just too strong. So this is like a monstrous receiver. You know, it's like Juju Smith, Schuster, Heinz Ward, but add another 10 pounds right. of muscle, you know, to, to an already very stout, stocky receiver. He's going to be, uh, he, he's a really interesting, he's just a really interesting uh, prospect.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And it's just yet another, uh, rookie receiver that looked really good, uh, on opening day. So, uh, we'll see about that. Let's move on uh, to Baltimore and Miami. I mean, what else can you say? I mean, Brown looked great. Uh, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson, where all Lamar Jackson stands at Riddlewire, you know, he looked awesome, but he, you know, it was against, you know, Southwest Florida university or Southeast Florida university. It, it, that's what tanking really looks like there. I mean, you just, they, they could do anything they wanted with him there. Um, and
2: okay. So now over under on Miami wins this year, give me an over under two and a half. Yeah. That's probably what I would have said. That's pretty damn low. Cause it doesn't mean they're going to win two and a half. That means that's the baseline. You can easily get to one or zero pretty quickly for two and a half as an yeah. over/under. Usually yeah. the lowest is like four and a half, you know, for, uh, before the season starts.
1: Do the Detroit lions like clink glasses anytime, uh, the last winless team wins. Uh, the <laughs> yeah, opposite of the should. Dolphins, you know, I think they should. I think the old Dolphins, you know, the undefeated Dolphins team needs to get together to celebrate this win. No, the team Hugh Jackson
2: Browns are also 0-16. Oh, that's so, true, I mean, there's, yeah. There's
1: a few teams. But it was so rare for such a long time. Uh, they, they, I, I think that they, there should be, I was just trying to kind of bring the, the undefeated Dolphins versus the winless Dolphins. They all should just get together, hang out. Uh, Mark Andrews didn't do much early. It didn't look like, but he was getting looks on third down. And what I noticed is, when Jackson's in trouble, he will go to him a lot. He's still like kind of a go-to guy on third down. Uh, you know, there was very few instances where he's in trouble. But I also, you know, I also thought it was noteworthy right away that they were rotating running uh, running backs a little bit. Now Ingram had a huge run on the very first play, so they were like, okay, rest a play, we'll go get in Gus Edwards. Rest another play, we'll bring in Justice Hill. Uh, you know, they they kind of were like, okay, we got three really viable running backs, we're going to use them. Is what is more my takeaway there, though?
2: Well, I thought you know it was just got to be a blowout, so they gave Gus Edwards a lot of late carries, but that Ingram had two touchdowns early. But
1: all those guys got cuts. early carries, and the very first drive when Ingram got the touchdown, Edwards got the play from the four to the two, so he was uh, in there too. He
2: could have scored it. He could, have yeah, scored. he
1: could have altered it there. So uh, and then
2: and then with Justice Hill getting receptions,
1: yeah, and know, he'll,
2: Ingram didn't get didn't get any catches.
1: Yeah, of course, they didn't need Ingram to get any catches either. I mean, it was a weird sort of takeaway there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, everything looked pretty good. They didn't need Lamar Jackson the run. They didn't they didn't run any Lamar Jackson running plays in the red zone. I still think that's going to be something that will be a deal eventually uh, that, you know, they're still going to use it. That's not going to completely go away just because he's throwing better well, and they got a new offense. Also,
2: with, what's good about having a running back, a quarterback also, is that you can have 10 blockers. You know, when you, when the quarterback hands off to a running back, there's nine blockers. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's what cams uses. Huge advantage at the goal line is he's the running back. So there's, there's 10 blockers.
1: I mean, it makes a difference. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Miami side, uh, you know, what can you say? I mean, Fitz looks terrible. He was under constant pressure, though. He's going to be under constant pressure because you trade away your best pass blocking lineman, of course. Uh, and it wasn't that good of a line to begin with there. Uh, Bellage was on for the first two series, not Drake. That was annoying. Uh, Drake. Yeah, Bellage
2: by the way, you and I had more yardage than Bellage
1: Yes, that's true. It is true.
2: We did. We did have more.
1: Yep, because we had zero. Yeah, Zero.
2: I Zero is more than he got. It's like almost everyone on the planet got more yards than Balazs uh, yesterday. And, but Drake was only four for 12. He caught a couple of passes too. You know, so it's interesting. So next week they play the Patriots who looked amazing
1: mm-hmm.
2: against the Steelers. I mean, I watched that one this morning and it was just, it was just like, you couldn't dominate any more than they dominated. It was just a crush from start to finish against an ostensibly decent team. So the Patriots are at Miami where would you set that line personally? Forget about the real line. Where would you set that line? Because you know that typically 14 to 16 is the biggest line at home you would get, but this is going to be past that. This is going to be in the 20 range at home, but it's on the road. So 14 on the road is like 20 at home. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be, are we doing guest the
1: line tomorrow? Are we doing that exercise tomorrow?
2: Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah. Get ready. Cause I'll, I'll have mine ready. Cause I'll write, uh, East coast offense. And I'll put the, I forgot to do it last week. I forgot that that was a feature I put in East coast offense. So I'm going to add it back this week, but uh, yeah, there's going to, basically you have to, you have to think it's going to, you know, so I would say like I, right now I have it. I'm not finalizing until tomorrow morning, but 14 and a half is where I think it should be, where it'd be a tough call. Like it's more than two touchdowns in Miami. It should still be hot in Miami. Both teams are aware of what happened this week. They're aware of the David and Goliath thing, but Belichick of all the coaches is the best at like keeping the Goliath mindset. Yeah. You know, like,
1: and yet they lost they, at outright at Detroit last year, you know, and in Miami, they and lost ear- to Miami. Yeah. When Miami was Drake a f- that, weird game there, that, that fluky play, go ahead. You were going to say Drake. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was going to say it was, they lost, I think it was at Miami. It might've been at New England, but they lost to Miami last year. That might've been the last game that the Patriots lost to anybody. And you know, that was, it happens, you know, and that was not much better, that team. That team was garbage also. So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think 14 and a half in Miami would be about, right, I mean, it's more than two touchdowns on the road. I mean, how, you know, at what point, you know, if it's 20, you have to take the Dolphins, it's a no-brainer. But if it's like 17, I mean, I think 14 and a half is where I probably draw the line where it's a tough call. And if it's like 13 and a half, I'll take the Patriots. But where where would you draw the line on this
1: game? Uh, I mean, I'm spoiled because I know the line, um, as we talked about earlier, um, that, on the show at least. Uh, I was I would even say higher. Uh, I, I, I know it's the square side to say, oh, it's going to be, a, you know, they should blow them out. But I think it's, I mean, if it was in Foxborough, I'd probably go over 20. So
2: Right. Well, that's, well, 14 and a half is 20 and a half, basically. Right.
1: I'd go probably 23, you know, so I'll say like 16, 16 and a half.
2: And what is the actual line? Like 14?
1: I think it's 14, 14 and a half. At least it was last night. I don't know what it, you know, according to someone's tweet.
2: It may go up to 16, 17. It may uh, right. go higher.
1: Yeah. And I don't even know from, like, that's an official, like, that might be one offshore books line, you know, it right. I, I could be. So we'll see. I mean, that's yeah we'll we'll see, but uh yeah i I don't I mean, care about the sharp side I mean sometimes it's like the the books
2: have to realize that the sharps are going to take the point you know not necessarily take the points, but the somebody's going to take the points at a high enough level, even if the team's distasteful, and so they can't just make the line twenty two or something like that because you could get a lot of money coming in on the dog in that case, but at this, you know but at the same time, like so they're gonna keep it low enough that it's not crazy to take the Patriots. It's, you know, if it's 14 and a half, 15, maybe you just take the Patriots and say, you know, they, they're not going to be stopped. But you know, whatever happened last week, whatever reasoning you have, again, it's a complex system. These are billion dollar organizations, uh, hiring full time elite athletes, to train just to figure this out. They're all, this, the dolphins are watching tape. They're watching what the Patriots did, right. they're figuring out that play they run. Now everybody doesn't, they haven't stopped it very well, but you know, it's not like the dolphins are just going to be like, Oh, we suck. These guys are good. This is, this is hopeless. You know, like they're, they're not going to do it. It's not, that's not how it's
1: going to go. Right. Exactly. And you know, I just, every instinct to me is like, Oh, don't overreact. Don't overreact. But Oh, they they're just terrible. I mean, it's hard
2: before just, the season, the line in Miami would have been like eight and a half or something.
1: Right. Maybe even higher because it's the, the, you know, let's face it. It was seven, I think, for this game, this past game. And, of course, I was a dumbass and took the Dolphins like, oh, traditional September home field advantage. That's not factored in. Yeah, it's factored in. Of course, it's factored in. Yeah,
2: maybe it would been 10, 10 for the Patriots, but not that, not more
1: than 10. Right.
2: Before the season. Yeah. And so. now it's going to jump based on one game. It's going to jump about, you know, four or five. Because you want like, which is a
1: Yeah. You you're know, like you are know, like, oh well you you're not gonna move it that much for a lineman. For a lineman. Well, it's not just a lineman, it's everything, you know, well, it's that, the it's mindset too. It's,
2: it's what happened. It's yeah. what happened in the game. And it's like, okay, well, the Ravens are tough and Lamar Jackson had a great game, whatever. But it's like Yeah, but they got it wasn't that they got crushed, it was that it was like fifty-nine to ten and it wasn't even that close. You know, it was just it wasn't a serious game, right? It was just the way the game went down. It just wasn't a serious game.
1: RG three quarterback, the entire fourth quarter, Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen did for the dolphins too. Threw a, threw a pick on a second pass, by the way. Uh, yeah, that, that's, it, it, it's really pretty bad. So we'll see. All right. Hey. Put you on the spot. Jeff, right now
2: you're Dave Gettleman. You have the number two pick in the draft. Who you taking? Go back in time. Who are you taking? You can see the future.
1: It's Barclay still, of course.
2: It's still Barclay, right? You know, Darnold yeah. hasn't been good enough to pass him. Rosen, that's joke. Josh Allen, no, right? Lamar yeah. Jackson might be the Lamar uh, Jackson might be the guy. You know, that's, like, that's the the Giants could have had him though. You know that they they were like they picked like super early in the second round, and the Ravens traded up to get him.
1: Yeah, the Giants could have done that. They could. Yeah, you know, how
2: sick would it be if you had Saquon Beckham and Lamar Jackson as your? I mean, it's like, I don't know, but what. you know, they the, but the
1: giants, up. they wouldn't play him. We'd still be looking at Jackson buried on You're the right. bench.
2: You're right. You're right. He would have just not had a career. So it's, it's for the best. I was I mean, mad last year. I told
1: you this last year. I was mad when the Bengals didn't take Jackson, even though like, Oh, we don't need a quarterback right now. Yeah. And I, I was even especially matter that the Ravens got him. um, right.
2: Yeah. Well, the Ravens got rid of Flacco for him. They yeah. gave him a shot and look what happened.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, maybe no, we'll no be singing a different tune next week. Uh, you know, when exactly. he, he No fails. one even knows if
2: he's good yet. He had yeah. one good game against the Dolphins.
1: Big deal. Exactly. All right. Before we move on to the other games, one more last note from a sponsor. FantasyDraft.com would like to bring you an important message about Rake. Are you tired of paying high fees to play Daily Fantasy? Did you know that over time, these fees, called Rake, can cost Daily Fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As Daily Fantasy sites continue to raise Rake, Prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players. But change has arrived. Fantasy Draft has changed the game by bringing you rake-free daily fantasy. That's right. You're now able to play your favorite fantasy contests without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contests rake-free on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free Daily Fantasy is truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today to take part in the rake-free revolution. Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free 7-day trial. Okay, we're gonna, you know, bre- you know, go rapid fire through the rest of these games. Chris list Jeff Erickson here on the Rotowire Monday NFL podcast. Uh you can read a lot of Chris's full observations in the week one blog. And of course, there's gonna be East Coast offense coming up on the on the site on Tuesday. Highly recommend you check that out, rotowire.com slash free. Get that free ten-day trial if you don't already subscribe. But I, I gotta imagine the people listening to us, uh it's a pretty strong overlap of subscribers. But uh all right, Chris, let let's let's blast through this. Philly and Washington. Uh, we talked talked about the survival angle. So was this whole game? Yeah, Let's, we talked a lot about the survival angle. Let's talk about you know Philly just didn't look great in this game until the you know second half. Deshaun Jackson opened things up, but it's kind of a mess right now offensively.
2: They were pretty good in the second half. They, their running game took over on one of the drives, and it wasn't. You look at the yards for carry; none of it was very good. Miles Sanders got a touchdown call back on a really nice run on a really, really BS yeah. hold on JJ Arteaga or Whiteside or whatever his name is. It was a really cheap call, but they just, Doug Peterson was really on his game after they got down. He was, you know, he'd run on third and two to Sproles. You'd be like, what are you doing? But it'd be fourth and one. And he knew he was going the whole time. Yeah. So that the run on fourth and two made, I mean, third and two made perfect sense because it was a two play. It was a combination call. Uh, Wentz was pretty sharp. He converted a lot of third downs on the comeback to Ertz, to Jeffrey, put the ball yeah. in the right place, bought time, moved around in the pocket well, didn't look hurt at all. Those bombs to Jackson, some of them were a little underthrown, but better to underthrow one when the guy's that open. Let him slow down and catch it. Don't overthrow him so he can't catch it. Uh, it looked pretty good to me in the second half. Then the defense started shutting it down, although. Keenum missed a wide open Terry McLaurin who would have had an absolutely monstrous day, 200 yards. Yeah. They did another 70 yard touchdown. He had one and uh, Keenum had a great game. He had 380 yards and played really well, but he make, missed one throw that really would have screwed things up for survivor perhaps. Cause it was during the Eagles comeback. They were still down. Like, I don't know, a few points and they just missed this pass. They had a punt and the Eagles got it and scored the touchdown. But uh, I, I thought Philly, the defense was what was sluggish. I think Washington's offensive line played a lot better than I expected without Trent Williams. Geis is already hurt. Maybe seriously. I think he's kind of done. I would put uh Peter and Peterson is the odds on favorite to lead them in rushing this year. And McLaurin looks like a player and Keenum. Remember Keenum was really good with the Vikings. He made right. the championship game and you know, they got crushed by the Eagles, but he was really good and he was bad last year in like a terrible Denver offense but he looked more like the Vikings guy last year against a tough defense on the road so i don't want to get say you know you know fitzpatrick looked great times too last year so let's not overdo it but Maybe Keenum's not bad, you know, and, and this offense, might, this team might not be a doormat.
1: Yeah, I will say that first touchdown of Vernon Davis was a joke. Tackling was just hideous oh, yeah. on that tackling play.
2: It was truly terrible. Yeah. Uh, that was a really stressful survivor. I mean, to watch yeah. like Vernon Davis score and it's like 17-0. Usually when it's 17 nothing, I mean, you're done. And meanwhile, so, everybody that took Baltimore is just cruising and you're sweating. That's the worst. Yeah, I mean, you're just like 17-0. I mean, that's not like. It's no longer, it's, you know, it's funny at 7 nothing. It's not funny at 17 nothing.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. At least you didn't take Cleveland. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. You could have been yeah. just straight up housed, let alone losing, let alone sweating. Jets yeah, were. Nobody,
2: nobody would, it would, you know,
1: in their right mind took Cleveland. There must have been like a very small percentage. Jets, Jets, Bills. High comedy. Again, blow, blow a 16 point lead, have missed kicks all over the place. Rookie kicker that they claimed after the Vikings drafted and cut cut the same kicker. Uh you know, the, the, but it was it was all pretty much Lev Bell and Jamison Crowder. And Crowder was just all short targets. You know, it was, it was super dink and dunk. Seventeen targets for Crowder. Yeah. Fourteen you know, PPR great game. You know, twenty three, twenty, you know, twenty four points essentially, because ninety nine yards. Uh but man, I mean didn't get in the end zone and, and it just it was just a blah game. I mean Every time I looked up on that one, that was like the guy, you know, so I, I had the grid channel on. Uh, I, I I prefer to watch it via the grid channel instead of the red zone. I don't really like red zone, especially because, you know, I, I don't love listening to Siciliano. And I think you have the online version of the other guy. But, uh,
2: you know, yeah, I got I got what's his name? I can't remember his name even. Uh, You know, everybody knows who he is that guy. He gets super
1: annoying after a while, too. It's yeah. just super annoying. Yeah. Um, I just let me watch the game. Uh let me hear the call of the game. Even that, you know, just so I know the players. says someone talking over it during uh, we, the game. We've
2: talked to we've talked about this, but we just need that piece of software that lets you rank the games one through whatever, nine or however many there can be, ten at, at most. And literally it just flips the audio to whatever game you have the grid on or just one screen, whatever many screens you want to have on, divide it however you want. And it just literally makes the biggest one or the one that has the volume or the one that goes to you know to your one screen non-commercial highest ranked at all times, non-commercial highest ranked. As soon as it goes commercial, the next highest ranked, if they're both the commercial, the third highest ranked and it just keep switching it around until you hit pause to stay on something that's maybe interesting. That's, right. that's the hard part is like, you might be like overriding like, it. Sixth, yeah, you sixth might be game. You're in your sixth ranked game, but it's like something really exciting's happening. And all of a sudden it goes back to your third ranked game. You're like, no, 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 no. I'm, <laughs> I'm into this. Slow down. Kick off, uh, kick, you know, uh, kick
1: off on your number one ranked one when there's a red zone drive on yeah. that. Like you would have wanted to catch the end of Bill's jets. You know, they finally yeah. got Devin Singletary going. I don't know what took him so long to get him more action. But, uh, you know, because, you know, we don't know anything about Frank Gore. You know, we need to see what Frank Gore can do first before we get 11 Singletary for 20 is what he did yeah i mean he stayed on brand um but he but he but he does it the right way in in fact so the, the bills get the class. ball in the last series they're like you see they're putting the veteran in there for ball security as he runs three carries for five yards you're like come on dude stop you know talk about filleting a veteran i mean it was it was really bad uh but that, that was one of the takeaways i had the, with that one to the class that he does it with
2: though like, yeah you don't if a regular running back gets the ball, there's just no class, you know, but this
1: is class. Yeah. Got to, got to respect your veterans. John Brown was awesome. He was definitely the bills receiver to have Cole Beasley was kind of a, uh, third, you know, third down sort of guy. Uh, but Brown had obviously the big play in the game, the touchdown there. Uh, so you know, that, you know, that's going to be a fun one to watch there to see. I think there could be some fun eventually with, uh, with those guys in the offense. Yeah.
2: I don't think it'll ever be good, but Josh Allen on a big arm and he likes to throw the deep ball. And Robert Foster is the guy last year. It looks like John Brown's the guy this year and John Brown's actually good. Yeah. So if they, you know, again, this is, this is all day long. It was like, Oh, you're going to throw the deep ball to Marquise Brown and John Brown. And you're going to throw it to Terry McLaurin. And you're going to throw it to Sean Jackson. Philip Dorsett said, okay, maybe those actually get complete. I mean, just throw the damn ball down the field and We'll see. There's going to be adjustments. Teams are going to be looking at tape and being like, oh, we, gotta, we can't cheat up with the safety anymore. We've got to have somebody back there because getting torched. And uh, so we'll see if it keeps up. But I, I love that. And I, John Brown's exactly that type of guy.
1: Yeah. Vikings Falcons it was a squash. It was a squash right from word go. Uh, and, you know, they still do stupid things. On Ryan's interception in the end zone, they ran a play without Julio, without uh, Ridley. And without Freeman on the field. and yeah. I'm kind of worried about Freeman. Is he still any good even? I don't know. I'm not worried about him because I don't have him anywhere. I was fading the heck.
2: No, I don't have him either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm saying I'm worried. I'm worried I'm... for him as a human
1: being. If that, you know,
2: well, that, no, I don't mean the concussions. I'm just saying, like, it just doesn't seem like, I don't know. The split the snaps
1: almost equally with Edo Smith, too. I mean, yeah, it was almost true. a split, you know, a straight timeshare. Which you know is annoying also if you own him. Uh Kirk Cousins only had 10 attempts in this game. Yeah, you know, Dalvin Cook was running well. Anderson, Alexander Madison was running well, but this was almost like they didn't care about the offense. They wanted to just kind of shut lock this game up. Just let the defense take care of it. And they did that.
2: Yeah. Uh I I drafted Madison, and it's so, so funny. I got Godwin and Evans in the two, three turn in my second beat Chris league and FBC. And I could have got James Winston in the 12th to stack it up. And I kind of wanted to, but I was like, I'm just going to take Alex Madison. Cause he's a, he's a rare clear backup. If anything happens yeah. to cook, we know who it is. And hopefully I'll get, you know, James in the 13th. And of course he got taken by a guy who already had Matt Ryan. And I was like, all right, I'll just take Trubisky. So then in the 18th round, I had to get Tom Brady. I had to settle for him. Cause remember at that time Gordon was still not yet in- reinstated. And of course they didn't have Antonio Brown. So now you know, Tom Brady's my quarterback.
1: Right. And of course you played him because you got the free peak at Trubisky and you know, like, I don't want those stats. And
2: now I'm I'm like, you know, I had Trubisky ranked well ahead of Brady preseason, but now I have Brady like eighth overall or sixth. I mean, right. With Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon and Edelman, you know, and they threw deep to door set and they
1: throw to white. And I mean,
2: I think they're going to, he might throw like 40 touchdowns Brady
1: this year. How bizarre has it been in the last week? I've never seen like a final week before the season starts having so much like huge fantasy worthy news. And the Brown thing changed every day, for instance, uh, including Saturday. You know, like the last the NFFC and FFPC, all those drafts that were going off. That was going on like if you draft in the morning. You didn't have full information. If you draft in the afternoon, well, you knew that he was going to be a brown was going to be a patriot. It's crazy how much things changed.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's just awesome that the Patriots swept them up. I mean, I, you know, as a Giants fan, I don't hate the Patriots. I, I respect them, and I kind of enjoy them as the Goliath of the league. And a league like NFL, like there shouldn't be Goliaths. It'd be so easy to slay them, unlike the NBA, where it's you can easily see how a team dominates for years and years. And yet somehow they always figure it out. And this is just so funny that they're the ones who, you know, okay, we'll take Josh Gordon. We'll take on that problem from the Browns a few years ago. Oh, we'll take on Antonio Brown. We'll see how it works out, but you know, everyone thinks it's going to work out fine. That's why they're so pissed about it.
1: Yep. Yep, exactly. And especially team fans of AFC teams are especially pissed about it. Uh, Jacksonville, Kansas city. We talked about the KC side of things already. Jacksonville side of things. Gardner Minishow actually looked okay. Better than okay. He had 11 point 11 yards per per attempt. I mean, that he actually looked good and he looked good right away. You know, they, they, they were moving the ball in the first half. They just couldn't keep up. Uh, but, and, and the thing is, Foles actually looked good before he got hurt. He got, you know, he, he got hurt on the play through the touchdown on to DJ Chark, uh, Chark, another high pedigree wide receiver, maybe right. getting a better chance now. Although we'll see now that, you know, that that's where really kind of the shame about the Foles injury. Uh, Chris Conley looked actually okay. Uh, yeah, Westbrook, Westbrook was the chalk this week. Yes. He wasn't the Chark. Yeah, exactly. He ran a con game, Conley game there, but, uh, Conley actually scored too. Yep. Fournette had his first ever lost fumble, uh, but it was on a, a receiving play. He actually looked pretty good. He he looked good in a couple other passes before that. You know, got the game strip kind of got sideways on him there because they were so far behind. The defense just got run over, though. uh the, the, You know, and granted, the Chiefs may do that to everybody, but usually not on the road in Jacksonville. If you remember, like. On the road in Seattle, he got pressured a lot and struggled a little bit. Uh, there were other games similar to that. In this game, it was just boom, boom, boom. You know, Miles Jack lost his cool. I mean, you know, took a swing. It was obvious. Got ejected like he should have been, and then was losing his mind after that. He he kept on running back, trying to get back in the face of the official. Real man, real man doesn't doesn't take it lying down. Jim. He takes a swing at the official. But, yeah. yeah.
2: You don't just take an ejection. Someone ejects you. You don't. You don't stand for that.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, that, that. That jumped in my mind. Uh, we'll see what, with them what happens to them. But uh, two QB league. How big? A, how aggressive are you going to be going after show Uh, well, QB flex. Let's say. Yeah. You well, know, I'll put it's, it. It's two in. Of course, QB you want Let's everybody. be honest. Yeah. QB flex means two QB.
2: Nobody. Yeah, well, two QB though is worse. Is much more draconian than QB flex because the bye sure. weeks really or a dire, whereas QB for flex, sure. you know, at least on your bye week you can put someone in, but yeah, I put in, you know, 20, 25 bucks, you know, I don't know, 20% of your budget. I mean, I think
1: Foles is on IR, you know, he's yeah. a QB at I mean, Houston. Yeah. At Houston versus Tennessee at Denver, they traded for uh, a backup just to have Josh Dobbs. Yeah. Yeah, Josh, Josh Dobbs. Dobbs. I mean the fifth round pick for him, but you know, it's going to be a minishu. Um, yeah. Well, well he, he
2: played well game one. We'll, we'll see if he can keep it up and quarterback's unpredictable. You know, that Tom Brady was a nobody and Kurt Warner was a nobody and Tony Romo was a nobody. And there's a bunch of them. You never know where it comes from. It's unlikely that he's one of those guys, but you can't rule it out. And it's good to start well. And it's never been easier to play QB. And I, maybe Chark and Conley and Westbrook are pretty good. Maybe that's a pretty good set of weapons. Maybe, you know, this offensive, new offensive coordinator is quite a bit better. And um, we will see.
1: But uh, yeah, I put in a bin on him. Why not? Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh. We talked on the New England side. Didn't really talk about the Pittsburgh side that much. Whew, what a terrible debut. Terrible, terrible, terrible debut. It was another one of those Ben throws the ball a lot, but gets very little mileage for it sort of games. 47 attempts, a lot of drops, uh, you know, a lot of drops and just misfires, too. Dante Moncrief had uh, ten uh, 10 targets, only three catches for seven yards. That, that's not getting seven
2: yards on 10 targets. That's going to hurt the old YPA or yes, wide sir.
1: target. Yeah. I,
2: I saw him drop at least one or two. It looked like he was dropping them all over the place. Just a weird game. I mean, Patriots have a good defense, but, and they also take away your best guys. So, I mean, Juju had a very modest game and some of it was in garbage time but I imagine like that's like the worst team to start your best receiver against. Yeah. Especially when there's only one guy to shut down. Right. It's the worst. Cause they'll just make sure that that's the guy they take out. So Juju's like, you know, 80 yards and seven catches whatever he had is actually pretty good considering. So I'm still pretty bullish on him, but James Washington made one big play. I think he may get more looks. Vance McDonald barely did anything until garbage time. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. I, Juju's the only one. Juju and Connor. Connor was pretty much the unquestioned bell cow, even though they barely got in the first down, so they didn't get a lot of attempts. But Connor and Juju, I think you can feel pretty strong about, and the rest is just who
1: the hell knows. Got a home game against Seattle this week. We've always talked about the home bend versus road bend, too. And they're facing a Seattle team that gave up over 400 passing yards to Andy Dalton, his first 400-yard game ever in his career. So... Uh, don't don't panic just yet. I think on the on the Steelers side of things is my takeaway there. Colts and the Chargers won to quietly maybe the best game of the day. Yeah,
2: it was. I mean, it was really, you know, Brissett though did not impress me. I thought okay, this guy's going to be fine and he might yet, but he was just a caretaker. You know, he was just handing it off and throwing short passes pretty much. And not a lot of downfield stuff. And it was sort of like, okay, he knows how to hand off and run a huddle and do this, but you you can't win like that your unless your defense is, you know, world class. And it clearly wasn't. The Chargers ran all over him. So I don't know. He's gotta do more. It was very smart game plan. They ran it well. Mac looked amazing. Yeah, he did. Um T.Y. Hilton was amazing. The other guys, Funches is now out on IR, maybe out for the year with a broken collarbone. So yet another broken done, maybe Paris yeah. Campbell steps up, but they need yeah, but they need somebody to stretch the defense. I mean, Hilton obviously can, but I just think it's because they're not good enough defensively to just pound the ball.
1: I think they're going to need to do more. Yeah, um, I, I, absolutely. I think they do, too. Um, Chargers, on the other hand, I mean, Rivers looked great. Uh, Eckler looked really good, uh, especially in the passing game, but even in the, the rushing game, too. Uh, Mike Williams got hurt, wasn't that active, uh, before he, he got hurt on a play where he gained 18 yards we made a bit, pretty nice catch. Uh, the radio guys were, I was listening to that game at the time and radio guys were speculating. He lost his wind at first, but then, Oh, Nope. They're looking at his leg. So, uh, but it looks like it's not terrible. We'll see. Obviously two days later can change things a lot there. Uh, you know, we've gone an hour. We haven't even talked about Todd Gurley yet. The guy that we're talking most about in draft season, Chris, uh, 14 carries, 97 yards. Oh, hey, it looks okay. Until you see that Malcolm Brown vulture the uh the the goal line carries. And Gurley looked terrible in the first half. A lot of it was like kind of stuff late. when they were you know protecting a lead, you know, teams take chances and he broke through a couple of times. I I, I wasn't that enthused about Gurley's game. No,
2: I would have I have Gurley lower now than I had when the uncertainty. So I had him lower than most just due to uncertainty. And he's lower now than I had him before the season, even though he ran for almost hundred yards and he was efficient and he looked fast. It's just that he went out of bounds on one play where he in the past definitely would have put his shoulder down and gotten three, four more yards. That was a little weird. And then, uh, as you said, Malcolm Brown got the nasty carries near the goal line, which are the ones for fantasy that matter. And Gurley only had one catch for four yards. Golf didn't play well. It's probably a tough matchup. I don't want to say definitively that Gurley that you should panic or that he's not going to get the goal line carries. He'll get some, I, I would imagine. But, I, I mean, man, I, I would take him in like the fourth round maybe right now. But if we were to redraft, but definitely not in the second round. Wouldn't even consider it, And not even the third round.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty uh, unenthused about his performance too. Get a home game against New Orleans next week. We'll see. You know, Jay Glazer had a report. right before kickoff of the early games yesterday on the Fox pregame show. And he's like, well, the, you know, the Rams, I mean, they're enthused at the lack of bad news, but they're really operating flying blind on this one here because they don't know how he's going to react because he hasn't been tested. So we'll see. They don't know how he's going to react today. They don't know how he's going to be on Wednesday at practice, you know, let alone after a series of games after he's taken a a pounding on this. I mean, it's kind of scary times. And I'm almost back to my original don't draft stance. You know, you're right. I I caved that one time and took him. Although it's not like, you know, the option I probably was going to go with if I didn't take him was Aaron Jones or carry on Johnson. Neither of those were any better this week. But uh, I would
2: take Aaron Jones or both those guys, though, if I could if those are my choices. Carry on was just in committee again. 11 carries for CJ Anderson. J.D. McKissick came in on third down a bunch, caught some passes.
1: yeah. That was weird. I, 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 I think that's just, I, Matt, you know, the homeless man's Matt, Matt Patricia coaching there. Just like he, he took a long time to warm up to him last year. You know, they had to have uh, like Garrett Blunt in front of him for the longest time last year. And then carry on. Johnson was great once he gave him he entrusted him with the role.
2: But he got hurt and he's pretty slight for, his, yeah. you know, he's pretty tall and slight for running back. And sometimes they'll just say, OK, Matt, Breed, OK, Philip Lindsay, just knock yourself out. Do what you have to do and sometimes they say no this guy is this kind of running back and we don't want to use him that much i don't know i it's hard to get too enthusiastic about that team and the role i mean he, he you know it's not like he's not he does catch passes and he will get some goal line work it's not like he's pigeonholed out of anything it's just that there's a rotation there he's just not a bell cow yet and that's not good aaron jones might be a bell cow but against the bears uh, it looks like Jamal Williams is the guy they like in on passing down sometimes too, yeah. though, on a Thursday night game. So, you know, he's got his problems, and then Gurley even worse. So, yeah, it's that wasn't a good great bunch of backs to choose from at that point.
1: No, no, and uh, you know, he could have
2: pushed up David Montgomery he was you know Josh Jacobs was a guy. Derrick Henry maybe was
1: the pick. Could be, could very well be. Especially they keep it on throwing screen one. passes to him. Yeah, that it would be only not. week one. Yeah, it is. It is exactly that. Last year, we saw a lot of aberrant results that didn't didn't hold. I saw that tweet going around. Um, you know, what, you know, Tyrod Taylor was QB four after one week. You know, and yeah, you know, that, that things changed rapidly there. All right, uh, you you kind of alluded to Detroit, Arizona. Anything else from that game you wanted to talk about?
2: No, I just just
1: Kyler Murray did
2: not seem. I mean, look, he. He had a lot of attempts. He made some nice throws in the second half. He led the team back, but he did not seem that poised to me. He was like really hurrying him. Mean, he's a rookie in his first game, so I don't want to slag him too hard for that. And two, I just saw him move around. Not you know he moved around well for like a, you know if if it was like Daniel Jones moving like that, I'd be like, wow, Daniel Jones moves well. But right. it, it it wasn't like, oh, we've got Lamar Jackson here. We've got Russell Wilson you know, Kaepernick, even Trubisky moves, it seemed like better than Murray. Now I'd like to see Murray really scramble and do some stuff and make some amazing throws on the run because that's sort of the, that was sort of the pitch for him. So I didn't quite see that. But again, it's just me watching a couple of quarters of one game. Um, and maybe, you know, he'll get more comfortable and do that stuff. But I didn't see like a whole lot of wizardry, um, that he's
1: supposedly capable of. That's right. Yeah. I didn't either. Um, and then, you know, it was, it was ugly, 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 early got better late, but even then it wasn't wizardry, you know, maybe, but then again, whole new offense, whole lot of new receivers in that one too. I'm willing to kind of give it some time to, before I pass final judgment on that one too. Um, uh, finally, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, last game we needed to talk about there. Well, we mentioned Tevin Coleman getting hurt already. That, that's going to be a significant news item. It was really a big disappointment for Tampa Bay though. They really laid an egg. I was really disappointed in them.
2: Yeah, I, you know it's funny because I said I, I drafted good Godwin and Evans and was like, "Oh, get Winston." You know, maybe yeah. you should have got Howard in the fourth round instead of Marlon Mack. Right. Now I'll take I'll take Howard if he comes back to me in round five. He didn't. Uh, Dalton and saved you. maybe they'll turn it around. Yeah. Dalton saved me for myself. Uh, who did I get in round five? That's the question. Probably someone actually good. But um, yeah, I, I guess I guess the point is just that you know, Winston's always been like this. He's, he's you know, he'll throw for 400 yards and he'll have this totally disastrous day and it'll probably get a little better. We'll see with the new coaching staff if that's going to work out with Bruce Arians. I've never thought Bruce Arians is that great of a coach. I thought he got a little bit of a, not really sure why his reputation was like, Oh, Bruce Arians. He's a great coach. I thought he was okay. thought he was good for fantasy purposes, but uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty ugly. They'll be better offensively. I think, But that was, that was not one to uh, remember. They they don't practice as much as they used to. No one plays in the preseason anymore. Mm -hmm. An ugly week. One shouldn't be held against somebody too much. You shouldn't change your priors too much, but it's it's data. It's something happened. Don't ignore it completely, but
1: it's one yeah, data point, the, though. Yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah. it's not conclusive data. Uh, yeah, so that's yeah. yeah. I think that's right. I just remember it too, and sometimes it's a reminder. You can have this perfect setup. You think it's oh, this is a great matchup. You know, good passer, passing offense versus a bad defense. Tampa Bay Cleveland last year was a slog, total ugly game, and it happens. It, you know, you think oh, this is going to be an awesome ticket to the carnival game, and it's not. It just isn't, and that. You know, the, there there's, you know, a lot of different paths, outcomes, and, you know, uh, you know these aren't cards. They don't have static val. You know, they don't have static value. They're dynamic. They change. They scheme against, you know, they know their own tendencies. They know what's best. So let's let's at least do account for this and try to improve it. And that's what happens sometimes.
2: Yeah, it's just so, I mean, the matchup thing, like, it works, like, I don't know, half the time, third mm-hmm. of the time. I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's sort of this obvious good versus bad. It's got to be good, but it's just half the time. Right. All
1: right. That's going to wrap up uh, the Monday podcast. We went a little longer than we usually do with that. We might fine tune this in the future weeks as we break down the games, but thank you for listening to everything here. Thank you to Yahoo for sponsoring us. Uh, please catch us on the XM show as always. Listen and I are always together Monday through Thursday. Uh, tomorrow we got Joe Bartel and uh, Jake uh, doing the podcast. So student, Jake Litarski, let's give him full credit there. So please subscribe, rate and review. And thanks again for tuning in. Have a great day.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?